Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. There's a friend of ours called Pete Gregg who's going to be coming and speaking later in the year. And uh, he, he did this great prayer for fathers I saw on his Facebook page earlier today. So let's just pray. We pray today for dads, for bald ones and hairy ones, for skinny dads with six packs and cuddly ones with one packs, for dads who tell terrible jokes and dads who dance to YMCA, for dads who know how to fix things and dads who just pretend they know how to fix things. For new dads and granddads and stepdads and adoptive dads. We remember today especially those fathers who feel like failures. Lord, may they know your grace, hope and love. And we ask you to comfort those of us who are missing our dads even more than usual today. And we pray for those heartbroken fathers who've lost a child this year, for whom this day is agony. We particularly remember the grieving parents of the murdered MP Joe Cox today. And the loved ones of those killed last Sunday in Orlando. We also pray for those who long to be fathers. Hear their prayers and may they know the joy of spiritual parenting in your house. We remember today the terrible despair of fathers in war zones and refugee camps. May they somehow know your hope and may their cries be heard by those with the power to effect change. In a world of so much pain where so many fathers are distant, absent or even abusive, we look to you afresh today, Father God. You are the source of unfailing love, the true and perfect model of fatherhood, especially for those of us whose human fathers were not good. Please heal our many hurts and restore the dignity, strength and integrity of fatherhood in our families, in your churches and in our nations. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 in the Bible. Jesus said, When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he'll sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since before the world's foundation. Here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, you came to see me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to somebody overlooked or ignored, that was me. He did it to me. Then he'll turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was homeless, you gave me no bed. I was shivering, you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison, you never visited me. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He'll answer them, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you fail to do these things to somebody who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their everlasting reward. 
Okay, um, what noise do cows make? What do dogs do? What do cats do? What do sheep do? What do goats do? Bleat. Spell silk. What do cows drink? No, they don't. They drink water, don't they? <laughs> but in this Bible reading, Jesus tells us a disturbing parable. And it ought to disturb us, especially if you've been in this series where we've been looking at how God looks at our hearts. And we've got different titles for these different things in this heart series. We call this one Heart Stopping because it's about that, you know, it must have been a heart stopping moment for those people in that parable when Jesus looks at them and says, You're goats. But actually, it happened already because the idea is that this is taking place. The scene is either when, we're, when we die or when Jesus returns, whichever comes first, we're going to be part of that crowd. Our hearts are going to stop. I was in. I came off my mountain bike, I'm grateful for everybody who's been praying for me, and I've put that thing on really as a bit of a warning. I, I was preaching all yesterday at this church in, in Salford, and they'd been praying for me too, because they were worried that the speaker wouldn't turn up. And, um, and, and my shoulder was remarkably better, because prayer helps and prayer works. Um, but then I told them, and they were so grateful, people kept coming up and slapping me on the shoulder to say, we're so glad we prayed for you and that your shoulder's better. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. So... But I was lying in bed the other day, and I had to, I've been on my own, because Zoe was like, I don't want to knock you in the night or whatever, so you'll have to go in another bed. Actually, that's code for, you snore. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was lying in bed, middle of the night, and I, th and I felt like this pain in my chest. I thought, oh, that's it. I'm definitely having a heart attack, because I'm a hypochondriac. And, and like, I can't just have wind. <laughs> and I was like, this is it, this is it. And, I'm, and my life flashes before my eyes and, and, and then I moved and it was all right. <laughs> but one day for me and for you, here's a cheery thought, that heart-stopping moment will come and I have got an irregular heartbeat. I found out when I was like 16, but it, it keeps happening again. It's all right, it starts again, so it must be okay. And please pray that I reach at least the end of the sermon. Some people are just wishing that I'd get on with the sermon. But the mortality rate is 100%. And we don't like to talk about that in church. We don't even like to talk about it in, in churches where there are church building churches. We don't like to talk it even at funerals. We tend to talk about people's life. We don't talk about what's happening to them now and where might they be. But the fact is, every 10 seconds, 26 people die. If you get the statistics on death rates, world populations, and religious affiliations, we can estimate that of those 26 recently deceased people, two were Buddhists, two were, four were Hindus, six were Muslims, seven were other, which includes a small proportion of atheists, a larger proportion of agnostics, and some animists, which is basically people who worship trees and nature. And seven of them would be Christian. They would say they're Christian. So how about you? And what happens then? Well, just in case you wonder, Jesus tells this story about the kind of thing that's going to happen after, in that moment. And this isn't the only thing that Jesus says about that, and is isn't the only thing that the Bible says about that, but it's one of the things that gives us some clues 
about the kind of thing that is important to God, that we might not think is important at all, but he thinks is very, very important. In the book called The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren says we should remember that this life is a gift, life is a test, and life is a temporary assignment. Life is a gift, life is a test, and life is a temporary assignment. During this life, there's tests that go on. God's looking to how we do on the test. Now, actually, he's been so good, he's shown us one of the test papers right here in this parable, in this story that Jesus talks about. And it says there'll be a distinction that is made. And the distinction, it turns out, is not about whether you are rich or poor, whether you're black or white, whether you are popular or unpopular, whether you are gay or straight, how you look, how you dress, none of those things will matter. It won't matter whether you vote in or out. Although some people seem to be loving falling out about that at the moment. It's about sheep or goat. That's it. What do sheep do? What do goats do? Well, we find out. If you open your Bible or U version, where the notes are, underneath the, the, if you're doing the U version thing, we have this, it's an app that you can get for free on your phone, and you can follow along the notes in the live event section. And you can read there for yourself, Matthew 25. The setting is this divine throne room at the end of the time. And as I say, Jesus gives us the test paper in advance so that we can be ready because he wants us to be ready. And he says, Jesus himself will be revealed in his glory as the son of man, which is like a divine title that's given there in the book of Daniel as this um, it's like the, this amazing title of, of, of him having a divine prophetic um, he's the promised Messiah. And on that day, everybody will see that, who he really is, even those who nailed him to a cross and mocked him. He says, on that day, all the nations, and the word there means all people, all people groups, all different backgrounds and individuals will be arranged before him as he sits on his throne. And he says, he will sort the people out just as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. And I try and imagine this in my mind as being like this, you know, your Christmas crowds of shoppers and people all pushing together, jostling one another. And Jesus says he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Hands up if you think you're a sheep. Come on, bit of faith in the room. Hands up high if you think you're a sheep. Okay. Hands up if you think you're a goat. Mm, nobody, okay. Well, I don't know, but on that day, what I do know is he will know. That's what this says. And the angel says, you lot, you goats. You go over on the king's left. And for the sake of illustration, hands, we're gonna, you're going to help me out here. When you came in, did you get a card? Hands up if you've got a little card when you came in. Have a look at it now. Years ago, I went to the Titanic exhibition here in Manchester, and um, you got a card when you came in, and it had the name of somebody on it, and it was somebody who'd been on the Titanic. And then, um, you know, in the t Titanic, on that ship originally, there was all kinds of distinctions. There was upper class and middle class, and there was this steerage right at the very bottom. And there were people who were employed and people who were unemployed. There were people who were lords and ladies and people who didn't even have a job. None of those distinctions mattered. In the end, there was only one distinction that mattered on the Titanic. It was lost are saved. That was the two distinctions. And when you came out, having done the Titanic exhibition, you could check your name against this long list and you found out whether you were one of the lost or whether you were one of the saved. They were the two distinctions. And out of our family, I was the only one who was lost. I was like, oh, brilliant. Just my luck. 
Now, would you do me a favour? Hands up if you got a G on the card that you came in with. Hands up, okay. Guess what that G means? Now, would you do me a favour? You put your hands up, keep your hand up. Now, if you're able to, stand up. Come on, no use bleating about it. <laughs> and now the sheep, you're going to move and you're going to go over. Oh, right, the, the goats are going to go to my left and move over there. And the sheep are going to move over to the right. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, come on. She, that's it. Goats go over there. Go and sit over that side somewhere. Sheep start to move this way. If you're over that way anyway, sheep, you don't want to be with the goats. You want to be over here. That's it, move it, mix it up. Take your bags, take your stuff with you. Won't take long to do this. Just grab a different seat. Quick as you can, don't have to talk to everybody about it because we, we haven't got loads of time. So we have the goats on the left. Hands up if you're the goats. The goats on the left, sheep on the right. Great. Now, which side do you think it turns out to be better to be in the end, according to the story? It turns out, it turns out to be way better to be a simple sheep than a guilty goat or a giddy goat. In the parable, in Jesus' story, the goats say, but... Because that's what goats do, isn't it? But how come we're goats? Yes, a dad joke. There we go. What do you mean we're goats? We don't want to be goats. And that's one of the points I think that he's trying to make. Nobody wants to be a goat and nobody ever thinks they're a goat. Nobody wants to be on the goat side, especially in our culture. Here's how you can tell that you're a goat according to Jesus. I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering, you gave me no clothes. I was sick and in prison and you never visited me. And let me tell you what this isn't, by the way. This isn't about how you get to heaven. Christianity is never about good people get to go to heaven. It's not about if you're kind to people, then there's a special place in heaven for you because that means that you are a good Christian. If that was the case, that would fly against so much of the rest of the Bible that says that that isn't what it's about. Because actually, the context really matters. And Jesus actually isn't speaking here to a big crowd of people that's full of people who don't yet believe and some people who believe. And you might be somebody here who's a guest today and you're not even sure whether there is a God or whatever. So this isn't addressed to you, if that's the case. You're off the hook. This is addressed to people, actually. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to people who say, I follow Jesus. I've made a decision to give my life to him. I want to do what he wants. Over and over again, Jesus has spoken to them, and then it comes down to this, this story. So this passage is not saying, and the Bible would never say, that if you try to be good or even religious, if you put change in the charity box at the checkout of the supermarket, that by the time you hit, the coin hits the bottom, you, you sort it out with, with God. In fact, you could sum up Christianity not by saying it's a religion for good people to help them to get better. It's actually not that. It's a religion for people who know that they're sinners, but also know that Jesus is a friend of sinners. So that's their only qualification. They're, they're people who, who know and have admitted, I need a saviour. I can't save myself. I'm lost without him. So as Tim Keller puts it, we are saved, however, by Christ alone, by faith alone, but not by a faith that remains 
alone. True salvation changes you. It's meant to change your heart. See, if you look on these little pictures, if you compare it, if you're a sheep with a goat's one, you see it looks the same. They look very similar. And they've both got a heart shape, but a sheep's heart is different to a goat's heart. Something about being saved by Jesus is meant to change our hearts. It actually means you become a different kind of animal than you were before. God doesn't accept us on the basis of our good works. The only grounds I have to be able to stand in any sense before God with any kind of confidence is on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ, what he did for me on the cross. So this isn't a story about how you're saved. It's a story that demonstrates that you're saved. It's not if you do these things, you'll be saved. It's if Jesus saved you, you do these things. It's not if we do these things, God will love us. It's because God loved us so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And because he's included me in that, something in my heart has changed. So I want to love other people better now than I ever did before. It's not saying only Christians do these things either, by the way. Of course it's not saying that because we know that isn't true. We know that people who aren't Christians can be kind and can be good and can help people and, and do prison work and, and do lots of work with the homeless and everything like that. We know that that's also the case. But what it's saying is if you're a Christian, if you say you're a Christ follower and you're not doing anything like this, you're not caring for the least and the lost, how can you call yourself a real follower of Jesus Christ? It's not... It's saying, if you're a Christian, not only will you do these kind of things, but you'll be this kind of person. If you're a Christian, not only will you do these kind of things, you'll be this kind of person. The point of Matthew 25, for me, is that people who've really received forgiveness of their sins, who belong to this king and have received his love and his grace and allowed that to change them on the inside... An obvious change should happen in the way that they relate to things like their money and their time and other people and how much they care. And they're not just about themselves anymore. See, Jesus said on, on another occasion that one day, on that day, there'll be a group of people who'll come to him and they'll say, Lord, Lord, we did all kinds of miracles in your name and we, you know, we organized some great Christian events and we did good stuff for you. And he'll say, really? That's funny. I don't think I ever knew you. Did I know you? don't think I know you. How does the good shepherd determine who's a sheep and who's a goat? You might think it was a pretty easy distinction. But it's actually quite hard. When you look at the faces, you can see that they look quite similar. A sheep and a goat can look really, really similar if you're judging by outward appearance. But we've been in a series where we've said time and time again, God doesn't judge by outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Sheep and goats are both in the category of small ruminants. They've both got four stomachs, but they've got very different hearts. In fact, they're not even of the same genus. They're actually very different. Sheep graze off the floor. They're down here somewhere. Goats like to stretch up and eat from the branches. Goats are independent. They like to be off on their own. They don't, want, they don't need any other goats, thank you very much. Sheep want to be with a herd. They want to be together with others. Another one of Jesus' titles, the one that he liked to use about himself very often, is Good Shepherd. 
And he said this, he said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So there's a clue for you. If you don't know whether or not you're a sheep or a goat, if you're not sure whether you'd end up being put on the right or the left, do you know him? Have you heard him? You might have even heard him today. Just a little voice inside of you saying, yeah, he's talking to you. He's talking about you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about you. That little voice on the inside that you can sometimes ignore and push down and make really quiet and just get on with your life, that's the voice of the shepherd calling you, saying, you're one of my sheep. Have you ever said, the Lord is my shepherd? That's a clue. I don't mean just said the words of the psalm. I mean, have you ever asked him, Lord, would you be my shepherd? Would you be the one who I stick close to so that you'd lead me through life? If you haven't done that, at the end, I'm going to invite you to pray and to do that and to say simply, Lord, be my shepherd. Whether you've never done that before, you can actually say today, Lord, I want you to be the one who leads me and guides me through the rest of my life, however long you give me from now on. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Sheep are not the brightest of animals, but the simple sheep knows to follow the shepherd. A sheep knows the shepherd. And the good news is, you can too. And as I say, at the end of the talk, in just a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to be able to, maybe you can stick up a hand like this. I'm going to do that so I can see you. So you'll know that you're saying it. I'm going to pray for you as you say, Lord, be my shepherd. Lord Jesus, guide me. Forgive me of my sins and all the times I've wandered away in the past. Help me to follow you from now on. See, people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the creatures and he wants to know, has this creature got a heart that wants to follow me or not? Or has it got like a billy goat heart that kicks and butts and bashes against him? So how does the shepherd test the heart? Is it about how many times you come to church? Is it about how loudly you sing? No. It turns out that's not it. See, the goat said, how come I'm a goat? And it turns out it's because of all these things that they didn't do. You didn't give him anything to eat. You didn't give him a drink. You didn't give clothes. You didn't look after them when he was sick. You didn't look after him in prison. And the goats say, you're kidding. I never treated Jesus like that. I had people round sometimes. We watched the footy. And I bought the big issue once. And uh, I visited my mum when she was in hospital. And uh, I never went to prison, fair enough, but I did watch porridge on telly. Does that count? But you see, Jesus is looking for how somebody's heart is inclined towards these kind of people. It's not about an action. We need to get that. It's not like, oh, one thing you can point to and say, oh, well, I did that and I did that. It's more about, is your heart turned towards that how do you treat people how do you what do you think about refugees what do you think about the poor the homeless and people you know people who are floating across the med on on horrible rickety boats and and how what does that do to your heart do you want to do anything to help because ivy's doing some things to help and locally here we're doing some things. How do you feel about you know, getting around a, a charity like Safe and supporting people through that? Another one we're involved with, Safe Families for Children. So many great things that we can be involved in. Jesus says, if I see you loving them, I can see that you love me. If I see you loving them, I can see that you love me. You don't need a PhD in theology to be able to understand this. It's quite simple, really. The test is fully practical. It's 
is how do you respond to that person that God puts across your path, that outsider, that person who's fresh out of prison, that person who's, who's, who's looking for help? How does this person who God's put right in front of you, how do you respond to them? How can somebody who says that they love God and that they know that they've been loved by him not go and care for that person who's got a medical need or that, that vulnerable person? Somebody doesn't need a sermon but needs someone. Somebody needs companionship. Jesus says, you say you love me and when I see you loving them, it's like you're loving me. And when I looked at the passage again, I noticed something else that had never really got me before. It's actually pretty obvious, but I missed it. Here it is. Not only do the goats ask the question, how come we're goats? The sheep ask the same question. How come we're sheep? When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And a stranger and took you in and gave you clothes when you were naked? When did we take care of you when we were sick and visit you in prison? And I thought, actually, so maybe this is not about the big things, the memorable things that I can remember. It's the little, consistent, unnoticed things, unremarkable acts of generosity and kindness that we hardly think about and we don't think are that important that turn out to be most important to the king. So when we come to that last day of judgment, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of surprises. Some people who are absolutely certain on the basis of them being a good person that they are definitely going to be found to be sheep are going to find out, actually, do you know Jesus? Or are you trying to get here on the basis of you being good enough? Because if you were, why would he go to a cross for your sins? And so I tried to picture that judgment ahead of being there. And I've got to say, my only grounds for hope, for salvation, is in the cross of Jesus Christ. That I've asked for and received his unconditional love, the payment that he paid for the price for my sins. My many, 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 many sins have been covered by his blood. And because of that, I know that I don't have to fear judgment. I don't have to fear punishment. Because the one who could judge me harshest loves me most. But I tried to picture myself as I stood before the king and he, and he says to me, Anthony, did you bring your phone? And I'm like, yes, I did. I didn't know I was allowed to bring it, but I've got it. And then he said, look up 6th of March, 2015. And I go, oh, I don't even have to look that one up. I remember that, Lord. That was that big conference that I spoke to. And there's thousands of people there. And I told them all about you. That's it, isn't it? And he says, no, it wasn't that. But on the way out, there was a, a young man sitting at, at the back. And he was on his own and he looked a bit upset and you went over to him and you spoke to him and it turned out that his dad had just died and you spent some time and listened to him and at the end he prayed with him. That was me. It was like you were doing it to me. I remember that. Do you remember that? And I'm going to be like, I don't really know if I remember that. And then he'll say, okay, what about November the 24th last year? And I look on my phone. Oh, that was the day I went to 10 Downing Street. Yes, I remember that. I had my suit on and everything, went to London. Yeah, it wasn't about that. But when you were coming back, you were at Euston Station and you saw a homeless guy. And uh, he looked hungry in a little sign. So you went and you got him something to eat and a coffee. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Well, I remember cappuccino, two sugars, turkey bagel, chocolate brownie. Yum, yum, yum. I'll never forget that. You did that for me. 
See, the things that we think don't matter, matter most. The people, some people think don't matter, matter most. So I'm talking to people who love Jesus here. How can it be if we say we know the shepherd and we hear his voice, but our hearts don't get broken by the things that break his and we don't want to go and move and help those people? Why don't I open up my home and my heart more? Why don't I care more for the least of these? Why is it so often if you followed me around, you, you wouldn't think I was somebody who cared that much in a world of need? So how do I begin to care more? Because... I'm like you. I haven't got all the time in the world. I haven't got money in the world. I haven't got all the patience in the world. And I see a world full of hurting people and problems and responsibilities and I'm overcommitted. The Apostle Paul addresses this in Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, say as we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Notice, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. You can't shut it out, but you can't take it all on. God knows and he understands that. But don't let not being able to do everything stop you doing something. A guy called Andy Stanley says this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's the way to do it isn't it it's like you know sometimes you, you, you might try and get in you know um, you want to go and park in somewhere you say oh, can we park here is it alright and they say no because if we would let you do that then we'd have to do it for everybody what do you say you'd say no you don't you don't have to do it for everybody just do it for me <laughs> you know it'd be alright well in the same way we, God knows you can't do everything for everybody but you can do something for somebody this week God's going to give you opportunity I know he is I definitely know he's going to give you opportunity to do for one, for one person. What will you do with that opportunity when it's like Jesus is coming in disguise for you? And, and what Andy Stanley says is don't just do a little bit of a thing. Do it costly. Do it sacrificially. Do something that's going to take a bit more time and maybe a bit more money, a bit more energy to really help and, and help a person fully. Not just a little thing. Do that for that one person. Can you imagine if everybody here this week decided to do that? The revolution of love that that kind of thing could cause. Choose this week, this month, to do for one what you wish you could do to everybody else because miracles happen like that. What do sheep do? Follow the shepherd. Do what he says. Listen to the parable. Why don't you close your eyes and we're going to pray. Oh no, don't close your eyes because on the last slide I've said this is how sheep finish praying. So you'll see. Put the last slide on. Okay. Who wants to be a sheep? Put your hand up if you want to be a sheep. I read this, Lord, I don't think I'm a sheep sometimes. I think I'm a goat. Yeah. My sheep know my voice. If he's been speaking to you, just know that he loves you. This message isn't about condemning us, it's about releasing us. And I pray that uh, there's people here today that are going to know the love of God for the first time, that he wants to be your shepherd.
And if you want him to be your shepherd, it's a first time kind of a thing, and you've never really done that, I'm asking you just to put up a hand so we can see. I'm going to give you a book called Work It Out that I've written to help you understand that. If there's anybody who wants to do that, just so we can drop a book into your hand, we can pray for you. Anybody for that? No. Okay, that's cool. Rest of you, if you're able to stand, please stand. And put your hand on your heart and ask him to change it, if you're willing to. Lord, change my heart and help me to do for one the opportunity one that you put across my path this week, what I wish I could do for everybody. Lord, help me to um, have my heart changed so I'm a different kind of animal, that I'm like a sheep who's close to the shepherd and that I do the costly thing and the loving thing um, as if I was doing it to you because I'm doing it for you. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.